Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley and you're listening to the Collab Talk podcast. This episode is my monthly conversation with Norm Young on anything and everything related to collaboration, insights, and automation. Let's get started. All right. Well, welcome. Uh, this is our, uh, you know, Norm, really appreciate you for joining this monthly conversation around, uh, you know, insights, automation, and kind of community news around uh, everything that's, uh, you know, analytics and, um, and we're going to cover Viva topics and other things as part of this monthly discussion. And thanks for having me. It's a, uh, interesting opportunity to talk about power platform and some of those pillars inside of the that tool set and also some of the Microsoft 365 components and you'll often hear people say that Microsoft shifts ships excuse me it's it's org chart Meaning that you only view things from a Power Platform perspective or a SharePoint perspective or Microsoft 365 perspective. And I don't think that's how the world really works. From my perspective, I spend most of my time between those workloads. And I think that most people do something similar where there's the overlap. And you know, you and I, we have that SharePoint Microsoft 365 background where we may not be as informed about the Power Platform. And there's some important things happening there that we need to be aware of to try and understand how it works to, to respect it, but also to understand how it affects us. So I'm hoping that with our monthly calls, we can talk about some of the new features that are coming out in the Power Platform, uh, some of the important message center items that might be out there, or maybe even mm -hmm. some of the latest news from Microsoft Learn, just as a way to inform ourselves and the one or two viewers that we might get of the show. That's one of the great <laughs> things about doing a series like this is that, uh, like I'm already, Norm's aware of this, uh, you know, but I, I do provide kind of an internal service where I'm going through and I'm been monitoring the message center updates and, uh, and all of the formal announcements and the major blog news and press releases and things out of, out of Microsoft. Uh, and I summarize those for members of our leadership team and, and provide that on a monthly basis. And so that's something that look at, I'm like, we're kind of already doing that as MVPs, as an RD, like I'm on those calls and I'm, so I, I, I hear about something and I immediately reach out to the product strategy team, to my fellow MVPs and RDs within the company and share like, has, if you heard this, did you watch this? Did you participate? We have discussions about that. That's like an ongoing thing. But to your point, I think it was an astute point before we start recording is that we often, because we're both, we operate so much within the Microsoft 365 world, like I, I don't listen for, I don't watch for those things which are more power platform, uh, you know, more automation focused that are increasingly, they're integrated in to all the things that we do care about. Uh, and so you have to have an awareness of what's happening across Microsoft 365, not just the collaboration stack. 
that's really one of the reasons why, for those that haven't been paying attention, Microsoft is losing the Office 365 brand, which was the workloads, was the collaboration, the, you know, the Office suite. Like the tools aren't going away. The brand is changing to Microsoft 365, which is that broader view. It's it's Office 365. So Word, PowerPoint, Excel, all those tools, the desktop tools, the productivity tools, as well as SharePoint, Teams, OneDrive, Yammer, all those pieces, as well as Windows and um, mobility tools and Azure it fits into that. Kind of all of those others, it's the bigger pictures, the holistic view of the modern workplace. And so with that change, we do need to pay attention to everything else that's going on. And not to freak anybody out, but feel free to freak out over that because there's a lot of information that's happening all the time. Mm -hmm. We're constantly drinking from the fire hose. It is at a larger scale when you look at including the change in Power Platform than the way it was if you were just staying on top of those Microsoft 365 updates. And it's it's a maturity thing. You, you and we have to pick our battles to know what's right to focus on and what's not. And I earlier I just said it's a maturity thing. Well, knowing uh, uh, what to look for and and how it affects you. Uh, informs you know whether this information is key or not and whether you should be paying attention to it mm -hmm. i remember when office 365 at the time came to the university i was working at and uh you know the key was more about adoption right just getting people using the tools and it was less about consequence of having these tools out in the wild not that we would want to re restrict or 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 inhibit productivity, but uh, as you matured with those tools, you realize that you needed to have some safeguards in place. You needed to have some type of governance, um, and and I and I wouldn't suggest that uh, dedicated business applications or power platform practitioners don't think of these things. But those of us coming from the Microsoft 365 side probably don't look as at Power Apps. Uh, Power Platform in the same way that we do uh, SharePoint Teams governance, and it really needs to. It it mm. has uh, uh, the risk to do. Sorry, it has the ability to do great things within the organization by empowering users. You know, uh, they call them citizen devs. They call them makers. They call them business technologists. Whatever you're calling them, they can do great things for the business. But without a, a traditional IT upbringing, they, they may not know that with that great opportunity also comes great risk of data leakage or sharing out information or doing all these other things that governance programs and tools and platforms try to do. And so a, a lot of conversations at conferences, at uh, in, in the boardroom, in the IT offices, they're, they're about power platform governance and, and what does that look like? <clears throat> uh, and it's a complicated subject, just like it is in, in Office 365. Uh, and I, I think the, the underlying goal is that they want to create some type of guardrail while still 
nurturing adoption and innovation and all of these things, you know, being conscientious of licensing constraints and and but but without and this I think this is one of those you know lessons learned from the collaboration stack certainly from you know coming from the SharePoint ecosystem and you know that in that view over the last decade but uh, is that you can't as an organization as a company should be very careful not to overly lock down systems thus um, canceling out participation in that system. Right. Absolutely. If if you make it so secure and and so I mean, with all those things with good intentions to do everything right, um, you have to balance things by looking at you know what is the actual what's the user adoption, is this allowing people to get their work done, um, and, and I'd argue many have said the same thing that the uh, if you have a focus your first and foremost focus is to lock it down to make sure that it's secure and compliant and all those things, um, you will inevitably um, lock out your end users. And then they don't right. use the system. And then what do they do is they go around the system, which is so much worse. So much worse. Uh, and so you you have to, and, and, and there are arguments for having a wide open system where people are more collaborative and it's all there and it's within your field of view so that you can do something about it. The reality is it's it's something in between those things. There's some things that you can automate, that the guardrails that you put in place, um, but always with the mind that, okay, what is the right way to do this to make sure that we don't limit usage, that we don't limit that, you know, the intellectual property creation, collaboration between uh, constituencies. Like if, like uh, our company uh, has a policy that very strong policies around external sharing, external collaboration. And so sometimes we're just going and, you know, sharing a file on a OneDrive link. It's like, you can't do it. So what do you, what are people doing? Well, then they're attaching things to emails or they're putting it in, a personal OneDrive that gets around that 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 restriction to do that sharing. So again, they've they've made it so strict, and they the reasoning is sound, yet looking at the patterns, the behaviors of users, and what they're trying to accomplish and what what's limited them. There there need to be some changes around some of those collaboration types. So, yeah, exactly, and no. No one approach will, or or solution or implementation will will suit every organization, and it's it's one of those things that's it's probably unfortunate because you wish you could just install something, buy something, turn something on, and then all of a sudden everything's governed, everyone's safe. Uh, Governance protected. integrated with the clapper. All right, yeah. we're governed. All right, we're we're good. We're secure. <laughs> Yes, an easy button. Like, who doesn't want that? And we probably wanted that in the SharePoint, the Teams, the Office 365 space. And uh, and maybe it's because I haven't been in uh, in the Office 365 and the Power Platform space long enough to know, but there was really basic controls that you get out of the box for SharePoint. What they have in, in Power Platform, to their credit, and I, I believe it was... I don't I don't know the full backstory, but I believe it was sponsored by Microsoft and then crowdsourced by a number of uh, very competent community leaders and contributors. 
uh, in the form of the the CUE or the the Center of Excellence Kit. Mm -hmm. Now this is something that uh, is available for download and and is uh, generally supported by Microsoft. And it, you grab this package off of GitHub, and if you're able to get it set up and working, it will start to give you the insights that you need to understand what's actually turned on in your your tenant or your environment to to understand how many you know dataverse databases might be out there how many power automate jobs are running things like that which apps are being shared out even down to like the the connectors in use that you might use inside of a power app to connect to a data source and that is a a, a real good uh, step forward but it is not a it's not a magic bullet that you can just install make work and all of a sudden you're governed it's a tool and like all tools they have to be used correctly now uh, i've attended uh, the the uh, microsoft power platform conference uh, in september in orlando uh, it, was, it was a great opportunity to learn from people that are spending a lot of their time in this space and uh, i attended a couple sessions on governance and the thing that uh, seem to be a, a reoccurring theme is that it, it's not just the COE as a tool. It's it's about engaging your constituents to understand what's right for the business and the organization, and then having some type of implementation of rules, policies, and so on in there. That That's the hardest part of uh, you know, COE and, and governance in general. And, and, and people think, oh, yeah, no, I bought a tool for that. It's like, no, the governance is not the tool. You know that the, the 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 literally the guardrails, and I I hate it when uh, you know vendors will say it's like all right, well this is the governance tool for that. It's like no, you do compliance, you have security, you have all those things. The governance is actually is what the people the, the discussions around that. What do we actually go and apply? We toggle things on and off. We set policies and procedures in place. We have certain roles and responsibilities around this, and here's guidance for how to go and do these things. All of that is the governance. Governance is not a tool. No, the, the tool might show up at the end of the, the work to create a governance program. And so the, the COE and the other new announcements that are coming out from the Power Platform uh, speak to that. And, you know, you know, Christian and I, we will never pretend to be Power Platform governance experts, not even novices at this point, but it's something that we're learning. And that we have to and one of the things that uh, was announced at the power platform conference is a uh, a new tool in that governance toolbox and it's called managed environments with an environment you know usually translating back to a, a dataverse database mm -hmm. so you have your tenant then you inside of your tenant you'll also have the different dataverse databases that you may have created uh, think of dynamics that would sit inside of a, a dataverse database think of dataverse uh, custom development for power apps, things like that. And uh, with this managed environment, it comes with new capabilities that weren't there before. Now, there's a lot of functionality when you create a new environment with a, a Dataverse database behind it. But now what they're giving is a, a number of tools that give you insights, of like weekly reports as to uh, what apps, what flows are running, uh, some basic insights, um, mm -hmm. the ability to limit sharing that may happen inside of that environment, uh, even things like creating data policies that will restrict the type of data that can be used and shared around. Uh, 
I've gone through it. I've seen the demos. It, it looks wonderful. It's not for for every organization or for every situation, but it's a nice tool that can go inside of that governance toolbox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's uh, was there any other major news that came out of the conference? That was the one, folks. That uh, if you weren't aware too, it it sold out. You know, um, my my company, uh, they were we were going to send down a number of us, like six to eight of us that were going to go down to it, had my flight booked, had my hotel booked. Mm. And then operations team was supposed to buy tickets. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> Sold out. <laughs> uh, Based on crowd reaction, <clears throat> yeah. one of the more popular updates that came out was around co-authoring inside of Power Apps. So for the mm. longest time, people that were doing Canvas apps inside of Power Apps, so think of like that that empty canvas where you could create a pixel perfect application that was limited to, to one author at a time. Right? You know, maybe the basic app that you or I might create Christian, that's fine. But for enterprise level work where you need multiple week people working on multiple screens and forms and other subcomponents, that wasn't possible. So now they can have the similar co-authoring experience that you see inside of some of the other Microsoft apps and services where you can see the little the avatar yep. and the, the top right window to show you where they're working. So, uh, I love that yeah. Microsoft is doing more of that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. you, you have that co-authoring, which man, I've wanted 20 years ago for Excel, yep. you know? So you have that, um, you have the course, the collaboration components, and then you have a uh, um, new Microsoft loop, um, that yes. allows you to do that to, uh, you know, on steroids, a multi-authoring of data of tables of content and it's interesting that you bring up those collaboration components because this was another announcement that came out i think in the middle of the summer but it it's it's one that i quite liked having the the microsoft 365 background is that microsoft is providing now a series of collaboration controls that you can embed into your power apps uh, whether those are canvas apps or model driven apps and so Think of an experience. I know that Christian, you probably have experience with Dynamics, and you're used to that that type of interface. But imagine bringing in something like Planner as a mm -hmm. tab to a record, or a Files experience, like you would get inside of Microsoft Teams. Um, Tasks, I think, was another one. And so now you are getting this this blended experience, and a lot of the 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 back end for something like a planner or something like the file storage, it's going to go back to Microsoft 365. And so we were starting to see this, this blended and this further integration between those two. And there's probably going to be a day where you don't call it Power Platform or, or Office 365. It's just going to be Microsoft 365. So those are three uh, announcements that, that caught my eyes uh, from the summer all the way through to the Microsoft Power Platform conference. Uh, the, the managed environments, uh, it's a great tool for, for governance, a governance tool, I should say. Uh, the the, the, uh, the co-authoring inside of Power Apps, oh my goodness, I was totally uh, cached of memory on that one. And then finally, the collaboration <laughs> controls. So yeah. I, I was swapping there for a second. We'll, we'll say that the, the internet was lagging for me. Of um, course, of course. Yes, yes. Of course. Or we'll it's get a, that it was a Teams issue. Come on, Norm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I do fall, default now is to blame. It's like something must be going on with Teams. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that we would always do when 
when we were managing Office 365 is we would review those message center posts and try and find those ones that uh, needed attention. You know, like it's great to be informed about new updates, but it was always critical to know when I had to act on something. Yeah. So prior to the call, I, I went through the the message center and looked at uh, uh, anything that was Power Platform that would be important to know. So maybe as part of the show, we can try and uh, grab the ones that are important before it's too late and to give uh, to help advertise that people need to take action. How does that sound? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a that's a great thing, and I and I have the uh, I have to get you access to this as well. So I'm actually sitting in looking at um, my Teams view. We've got a team set up for all the message center updates to nice. like dump in, and that's part of what I sort through on a regular basis for the the org, and uh, set up some filters on this just to see those items and talk about them. And of course, um, also talking about we're talking about you know, insights and automation. Mm -hmm. And there are, again, a lot of the capability that's become intertwined, it's striped across workloads, across platforms. Yeah. So you can't say like, I'm only going to look at Power Platform uh, message center updates, then you're gonna miss mm -hmm. a whole lot that yep. happens across other workloads. But uh, yeah, so that's that's gonna be for folks listening too. This is a, so in our monthly update that Norm and I will do, we'll go through a bunch of those things and talk about them in greater detail. Um, just on a regular basis. So um, yeah, we'll we'll start collecting the items and put together our our short list to to talk about each month. Yeah, you know people may not even know that there is a power platform admin center, a, se a separate entry point than the the typical Microsoft three sixty five admin where um, it's a filter down experience and it gives you what you need. And a lot of it is, you know, great features coming out. But there was one that stood out for me. Mm. And the ones that always stand out for me are action required. So this particular one is, uh, let me get the, the message center code. It is MC454715, and it reads, new Power Platform URLs used by Power Apps and the Power Platform Admin Center. What does that mean? Well, it reads, the Microsoft Power Platform will begin relying on a new cloud service dependency called the Power Platform API. The Power Apps end user and maker experience, as well as the admin center, will leverage this new API internally and more of the experiences over time. So how does this affect us? Why is this important? For any customer with an in-house, on-prem firewall rule that restricts traffic to different URLs or IP addresses, you're going to want to make sure that these URLs for the Power Platform API are allowed through your firewall. Mm -hmm. If you don't, you're going to have service interruptions. Inside of the message center posting, it talks about uh, uh, evaluate adding the cloud service for the Power Platform API to your different conditional access policies. And they also post uh, updated URLs that you can apply to your firewall rules. So this could be important. I mean, a lot of us get get burned on this one when they make a change and you weren't making a note of it in the admin center. So if you have on-premise data sources and you've got a special firewall in place that only lets in certain traffic, you're gonna wanna make sure that those Power Platform API URLs are allowed. Mm -hmm. That's my key one for the month because that one sounds a bit scary. That's an important one. Yeah, I, I, is that, and you said, is that, 
happening now or is it on the roadmap? Is it coming that is or? coming? Let me pull up the exact date. It's always important to watch that. And especially if it, you've got a date, when you go back and check again, is that look at your list of when you thought they'd go live and make sure that it did go live and it wasn't further right. delayed or. Well, it was posted on November 1st, and I'm looking for a date inside of the article. I don't see an effective date of, hmm. but it is, uh, like they said, it's it's going to roll out in time. So it will affect like the, the maker experience where you do your development online and then the admin center experience. But it could be a problem. Yeah. That's a good thing to watch for. I'll have to make sure that's in my update as well. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, the other thing that, that's going on, Norm, I don't know if there was anything else besides that, the, the one key, or or were you ready to jump over and talk about next week? Well, I guess now for the recording, it's going to be this this past week, but yeah. So the... Yeah, let's talk yeah, about the, the recording next week. The, the event, yeah. So we have, um, and and if you follow the show, then you're aware, um, it, you know, shares the name, the Collab Talk podcast is the Collab Talk Tweet Jams, which we are closing out our 11th year of operations, which is wow. pretty crazy. I would say that John White, so has been participating since, almost since the beginning. I think he joined... Uh, just a handful of months into the doing these back in, which were launched in January of uh, of 2012. Um, so these are, of course, if you're not familiar with the tweet jams, it's by the name, no surprise, it's out on Twitter, but they are public discussions. They're, they run an hour long. Anybody can join in. It's on Twitter, so it's open. Uh, so you just need to have a Twitter login and go in and search for the hashtag CollabTalk and you, you'll find the discussion that's happening actively. And as the host and moderator of that, I will post questions roughly every seven or eight minutes throughout that. So just watch for the prompts and uh, and you'll see the questions as they get posted live. And one of my uh, requests to uh, to Elon was, hey, bring back the uh, Twitter feed API so that the list API so that we could actually, there used to be great third-party tools that would access the, the list feed API. So I actually had a dedicated Collab Talk Tweet Jam page that you could just, you just go to that page and watch the feed um, directly so you would you would not be you know struggling like where do i go it would just have it all in one place it was fantastic so now you need to do a little more work you have to actually go in and search for the collab talk it doesn't automatically refresh all the time yeah, so yeah. if you as it goes by so fast you need to hit refresh but anyway the topic of the conversation this month um is oversight and governance of the power power platform so, and, and, and the, the questions in this, I know we're going to, so, uh, you know, this recording will come out at the end. So if you missed the event, the great thing is that, uh, Twitter is, you know, the posts that are out there, it's the internet, it's forever. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and so you could go and track that. Um, but I will also be doing a post tweet jam interview with someone, um, going through. So one of the participants always, you know, uh, grab somebody who's available after the session. 
Um, but we're going to go in and talk about some of the questions. And if you go out to BuckleyPlanet.com and search on, you'll see the, there's an article called, Is There a Governance Gap with the Power Platform? And that's an outline. It includes the seven questions that we cover in the one hour. Um, we have, I think there's, I've counted, but I think over 40 panelists. Really? So, uh, yeah, and, and always room for more. Um, always love it when the tweet wow. jams, when they trend on Twitter, um, get a lot of a lot more activity. But this is a, a topic that people are really passionate about. So some of the questions, and we won't go through all of them here, Norm, but uh, some of the questions like, you know, how important is it to have a governance strategy in place before employees start building power platform solutions? Um, is there a preferred methodology or framework? Um, like asking people what are their best practices for monitoring, auditing, and securing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, there's a question about the COE. Uh, and and then here's the one I always love this take on things. Maybe I'll ask you this question. How important is number six? How important is it to support the power platform community? So citizen developers, makers, and champions within your organization. How important is that to power platform? supporting is, people in your org. It is so important. And it's important on so many different levels. People are going to build solutions that work for them. We know this, it's, it's a fact. To keep them in the firewall, so to speak, and allow them access to the tools that you get in the power platform makes it easier for them. And it also keeps it somewhat safe in your own environment, enabling them giving them training, tools, maybe even support, mm -hmm. makes them be more efficient. You also make an ally with the business users. You take some of the load off of the internal resources. IT has never been able to keep up with the demand of their users, and that will never change. The growth in the power platform and, and the, the business technologists that are, are now forging their way into the power platform, uh, they are the ones who uh, will bring the most business value and where IT now can add value to them instead of having to create these solutions is to make sure that they're supported in that place where the, the guardrails are up. They're not doing something that's inappropriate. Monitoring to see if they are doing something that might be considered more enterprise level and maybe move those 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 apps or those, those workflows uh, into an area where they can be more production suitable but also uh, facilitating you know, more efficient processes like the use of data, organizationally approved data, uh, create something uh, through the, the, the traditional IT blended in or, or fused in with those business technologists so you can have the best of both worlds where you have something that is perhaps highly regulated or governed, uh, needs a, a uh, an advanced skill set brought in in a way that the makers can, can consume and use and spread that value out. And uh, it is a, it is more advantageous than it is risk to to support them. Um, mm -hmm. If IT is being greedy, you know, think of it from the perspective that they're doing some of the work for you. Yeah. Well, I, I think too is that you know it, it, it's a, and organizations that don't aren't invested in the personal growth and development of their employees 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so, so as people, especially, um, you know, whatever the stage of their career are, that you know, people generally want to continue learning. They want to add value. And if you're not recognizing that and helping and nurturing that, that growth, then they're less likely to stick around. Yeah. I mean, you have to be realistic that even you know people that are happy in the role that there's there might be limited upward mobility for them within the company, and you still maintain a good relationship. Like, don't get mad that people are have outgrown their roles and you, you don't have room for them to move up, and so that the, they leave. You want to maintain strong relationships. Uh, you know, especially boomerang employees are a, yeah. a, a real thing. Um, you, you want to have that, uh, you know, good community profile as well as treating employees well, especially high performers. But there's, um, you know, with that, you know, d- recognizing people, the efforts around there. It's like I said, you're building advocacy within yeah. your your users across your employees. That's um, right. They're going to be have more both. fulfilled in their roles. Yes. And there's there's a you might not be able to pay them any more money but giving them recognition is something which doesn't cost you anything yes agreed and i have a lot of empathy for uh, people in it and when we talk about power platform we talk about governance we always say like it get out of the way let let people build let people use the feature but you can't blame it like they're they're used to building things you know a developer wants to develop uh, an administrator wants to administer build rack and stack servers and so on. Um, IT always feels like they have to be the safeguard for everything. So it's it's a it's a mind shift. Uh, it's a different way of thinking for them to say, I, I'm going to enable them to do the work that I usually would do. But because I have the experience, the skill set, the access, I'm going to be the one to put up the guardrails to make sure that we're not using a premium connector that's going to, you know, cost too much money or share out you know personal information out onto the web or something like that like mm-hmm. the basic guardrails and that's what we're doing but i've had this in my own experience i was working with a uh, a finance department and they had some really savvy people in that department with technology and they wanted a power bi reports but their needs were so small in comparison to others in the organization that were going to drive so much impact but these people were smart enough so Instead of saying, no, we're not going to build it, we said, yes, we're going to spend a couple hours showing you how to use Power BI, uh, things that you can do in a working session to help build up, because they know the data better than than anyone in IT. Mm -hmm. And so you should really respect that. And so a couple of enablement sessions, and they were able to build their own solutions and bring all that value back, gain an ally in the form of IT. And it's a different way of thinking, and it's it's an opportunity for IT to... uh, um, really uh, add value uh, by doing the right thing and uh, supporting, you know, citizen developers, makers, and those other champions and organizations. Yeah, there's a, you know, uh, uh, again, how you handle situations like this, how you, um, you know, communicate with, recognize, and support uh, within the, you know, the maker community within your organization is, uh, you know, uh, will tell a lot about your generally about your collaboration culture as well, which I talk a lot about within this podcast. And, and, you know, that, that idea is that when people feel, uh, seen when they feel supported, uh, when they feel like collaboration between the executive team 
and the frontline workers like that there's they're not having to jump through hoops or there's not you know walls or silos built around that when they could share feedback but what happens is that when people feel free to share feedback they share their feedback mm-hmm. and so then you get real feedback about things that are working and not working if people are fearful of uh you know providing solutions building things trying things putting their neck out on the line because they might fail they might they might build some crap solutions out there it's going to happen um but if you if the company has a review process as part of your coe is that you're looking at those and providing constructive free feedback i see what you're trying to do here here we if we tweak this this is how this is why we need it built this way if we have those guardrails in place we reckon recognize people for trying uh and and help them through that then they are more likely to continue doing that and others will see that be inspired by that and want to do more it's you know i i love the the phrase you know a rising tide floats all boats it's like build each other up support each other uh the more people we have collaborating in the system you know the the better quality of all output so it's you know you, you might be hitting your numbers you might be doing performing very well but if you have like an average of 20 percent of your organization participating in collaboration uh you're not like what what is the cost of the missed opportunities of the people not participating in the system i think this the exact same is true with the power platform and with the creation of the solutions what ideas are you not uh, uh, attempting to create because you've locked it down and you're not supportive the uh, power platform has created a lot of opportunities for people in IT, non-technical people. We hear about people who shift careers and, and come yeah. from. There's, there's a great most- story. I, I, and Microsoft was highlighting this a couple of years back was the gentleman worked for, I think he worked for Heathrow Airport. Yes, that's right. And was in operations. I don't know if he was like, like in bag handling or something or other, but had an idea for something and went and kind of learned it and built it and that's his job that's his career and you hear a lot of stories like that around power platform it's one of the reasons why the community is growing so rapidly if people that are uh you know that are non-technical backgrounds but they're logical they know the business systems that's right and they go and attempt and they successfully build these these applications well said and the the person that you you mentioned it's a, it's a well-known story and there's many others in the the community uh, and the platform has enabled them to to change their lives even technical people professional developers or whatnot mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. still using the power platform to change some of their working lives so it it is a wonderful platform and uh, it's great to see that it is maturing and it's growing. There's new features being released every year, it seems, with the, the latest edition being Power Pages. And so the this blending between Microsoft 365, the Power Platform, I think will continue and uh, we'll all be better for it. Yeah, I, and there's a lot of cool stuff. As you said, there's a lot of technology that's coming out. Like I, I just had my first introduction where I went in and built my first chatbot with the Power Virtual Agents. Nice. Um, 
tweaked the interface, deployed a solution on the SharePoint, had the mobile app, got it all working, spent some time, and you can spend a lot of time trying to make stuff pretty. Uh, mine was not very pretty, but it worked. It's functional. Um, but uh, you know, there's yeah the, the Canvas apps. Like I could I could explore that for yes. a few more days and just working on making things look prettier. But um, yeah, you know, function over form for me. Um, but yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of opportunity out there. I'm uh, so I'm excited to to go through and talk about some of these topics. And we'll uh, you know, being the Collab Talk podcast, we'll always talk about the cultural aspects of of these things. Because I think it's so important because we are, you know, I, I do love like the hashtag, you know, humans of IT and putting that human, you know, uh, face on these topics. I think it's really important. So we'll be sure to do this, some of that. But well, Norm, really appreciate your time today and uh, looking forward to these monthly chats if nothing else, if I kind of lose sight of a bunch of these announcements, just to, to, to be able to keep up with what's happening within this space, within this community, I think is so important. As a, as a uh, career collaboration technology guy, Power Platform is an important aspect of the broader collaboration, you know, set of, of technologies. So, uh, yeah, we'll be talking a lot more. Thanks for having me, Christian. Appreciate it. You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. New episodes are published every Friday, and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and most other podcast services. Thanks for listening.